Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Last week, um, I mentioned that um, well, we got halfway through my sermon last week because of the commissioning. It was just a great Sunday, wasn't it? Really enjoyed that day. But I thought, let's continue on around this idea of being empowered in prayer today. And just great timing that this afternoon at 4.30, we're going to have our first all-church prayer meeting. So whoever could come back, bring the kids and make sure we're here for that. And, and this morning, we'll have a little bit of training around prayer and, and uh, learning around prayer. And one of the things that I want to learn about prayer is you know, how we can actually see God move powerfully in our lives as a result of our prayers. Wouldn't that be great? I just want to see God's power released in my life and, and, and see how I can learn how to pray effectively to see change happen in and through my life. I want to understand what's blocking the prayers that I pray from the ears of God. I want to know why my prayers don't get answered sometimes. Anybody else interested in those kind of questions? Yeah. And so I'm excited about this topic, and I'm wondering if I might kind of stretch this out a little bit longer over the coming weeks to just learn more and more about how we can learn to be praying effectively and be empowered in prayer. Because Jesus said, my house should be called a house of what? prayer exactly so we make it a house of all these other things and and then yet sometimes we miss the very thing that Jesus said my house should be called a house of prayer sometimes I think what do the people in our community call this church do they call it a house of prayer or do they call it something else hopefully over time as we develop as a fellowship and and being a prayerful and effective prayerful church that our community would say oh that's the house of prayer that's where we go to see God move in our life that's where we can take and see, expect to see miracles happening because they are praying church does that sound good or does that sound great to me that sounds I want to be a part of a church like that and um, we learned last week as a kind of intro, way of introduction that sometimes people really struggle as way, by way of having a consistent an effective prayer life and that Christians, you know, the average time a Christian prays is five minutes a day and that's the average. Um, so there's a lot of probably prayerlessness happening in churches these days and I don't want us to be one of those churches. I want to be a church where we have, we don't have a lack of victory and a lack of godliness and a lack of power and a lack of the presence of God and I wonder if churches are suffering these things today because of a lack of prayer. Because that prayer is where we're seeking the presence of God and calling on the presence of God and seeing him move mightily. And as we pray, we can start to move the hand of God in a sense as a child coming to our father and asking him to move on our behalf. And so one of the things we learned last week is that God wants us to pray. How do I know God wants us to pray? Because Jesus said to pray. That's how I know God wants us to pray. It's very simple. I know that God wants us to pray because he expected us to pray. Jesus said in Luke 18.1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Always pray. And we looked at this passage last week in his Sermon on the Mount. And uh, he said, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing and so on. Down in verse 6 he says, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and Pray to your father. In verse 7, he says, And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard for their many words, and so on. And then in verse 9, This then is how you should pray. 
You see, he expected us to pray. He told us to pray and he gave them what we know straight after this as the Lord's Prayer. And last week we were praying the Lord's Prayer and the commissioning service, if you were here, and, and uh, we all stood together and we prayed the Lord's Prayer. Do you remember this? And uh, we all know the Lord's Prayer. We can usually recite it by memory. Most people can. And yet sometimes I, I just thought as we were doing that last week, it was a special moment. But I thought, let's pull it apart a little bit. Let's pull apart the Lord's Prayer. Let's see, what does the Lord's Prayer actually really mean? And what does it say to us? And Jesus is trying to teach the disciples how to pray when he said, you should pray like this. And he didn't actually mean just pray these words. He's, it's the deeper meaning behind what he was saying that we should be praying like. So I thought last week, I thought maybe next week I might just pull that apart a little bit. Does that sound okay? So let's have a look at the Lord's Prayer. Let's read it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. That's like acknowledging God first, isn't it? It's saying, God, I open my heart to you, my Father in heaven. I revere you for who you are. I praise your name. I'm basking in your presence. I'm coming to you as your child. I'm enjoying the fact that you love me. I'm thanking you. I'm coming to you for your goodness and your grace, my Father. I'm thanking you for your forgiveness. I'm coming to you because of your kindness. I'm coming to you because of your love. I just start my prayer like that. I start to pray, God, I thank you, my Abba Father, Daddy, Daddy, I come to you, my Father in heaven. This is how I come to you with praise and thanksgiving, and I enter your courts in this way. I come into your presence by addressing him for who he is, our Father in heaven. Say that with me, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. That's praying that God's name would be honoured, that God's name will be honoured in my life and honoured in our society. So often you hear the name of God, you hear the name Jesus Christ as a swear word these days. And sometimes you hear that name, I just want to yell back their name as a swear word and see how they feel. But the name of Jesus Christ should be honoured and revealed. The name of God our Father should be honoured and revered. May his name be honoured. May he be glorified. May his name be magnified. This is a prayer that, once again, that Jesus' name, that God's name will be honoured in our lives, that his name will be honoured in our families, that his name will be lifted up in our society again for who he is. Hallowed be your name. Say that with me. Hallowed be your name. So when you think about what these verses mean, there's a lot of depth behind them, isn't it? And then it says, your kingdom come. God's kingdom is God's rule. God's kingdom is God's reign overall. And I'm praying for his kingdom to come, for his kingdom to rule in my life. I'm praying for his kingdom to rule in this church. I'm praying for his kingdom to rule in our society. I'm praying for his kingdom to rule in our nation. I'm praying for his kingdom to rule in our world. Your kingdom come, Lord. 
Your will be done. Say that with me. Your kingdom come, your kingdom come, and your will be done. And that's praying that God's good and pleasing and perfect will would be done, that his good and pleasing and perfect will will be perfected in my life. He is the author and perfecter of our faith, and he has a plan for us. He has a perfect plan and will for our life. God has a purpose for our lives. We all know that the Bible says that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. And um, my hope and my prayer as I pray this is that God's purpose and his plans for my life will prevail. I know sometimes you might have 10 different great ideas, but there's probably only one of them is really God's. And so I've got to kind of put the other nine aside and say, Lord, I want your plan and purpose to prevail in my life. I don't need to waste time on all these other great ideas. I want your perfect plan and will for my life. And I want that for you too. So we pray it. We pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your will be done in my life. Give us this day our daily bread. Say that with me. Give us this day our daily bread. Every day we need to pray to God in this way. We need to come to him and say, Lord, God, help me. Help me. Help me in the little things. Lord, help me in the big things, the things I face every day. Lord, thank you for loving me in these things. I need you. God loves you and he cares about you and he's interested in all of the things of your life, the finest details. And we can have a constant conversation with God throughout the day. Remember last week, I said, just when you get up in the morning, just put it on speakerphone and dial 777, straight line to heaven, and just leave him on speakerphone all day long. And as long as you've got an unlimited plan, you'll be right, okay? And we just have a conversation with God all day long in the presence of God. And then he's here for us. Give us that this day, our daily bread. You're providing for us. We're seeking your presence in our life. He's interested in those things that we're concerned about. Sometimes we think that, oh, no, God wouldn't care about these things. He is. He's interested in the intricate, intimate things of your heart, of your life. So spend some time with him in this way. Pray to him. Give us this day our daily bread. You are my provider. You are my God. You are my Lord. Thank you, Lord. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Pray that with me. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, this can sound a little difficult sometimes. It can actually be difficult to pray sometimes, this prayer, where we're to pray for forgiveness for our sins and because we've all sinned, but we pray for forgiveness while we also forgive those who have sinned against us. Jesus taught us that all our sins have been forgiven through him so that we can't now hold anything back from forgiving other people either. Just as we've been kind of let off the hook for sinning against God through salvation in Christ, we've been let off the hook, then we must also let others off the hook for sinning against us and not holding that against them and not seeking revenge. And so forgiving people is not a way to earn our salvation at all because that's a gift of grace through Jesus Christ. Amen? But... As we are forgiven, he gives us the ability through his forgiveness to forgive others, even in, when we don't feel we can. 
Because if we really experience God's forgiveness, he will stir within us the desire and the need to forgive others as we've been let off the hook. We let others off the hook. And one of the descriptions in the bondage breaker, actually, that I learned about forgiveness is the forgiveness is not necessarily reconciling and rebuilding trust with that person, but forgiveness is simply letting go of the need for revenge. Forgiveness is willing to say, I'm willing to live with the pain that you've caused me in my life and let you off the hook from seeking revenge because now God is healing me of that pain. Forgiveness is saying that I will live with the consequences of the sin that you've done against me and let you off the hook from seeking revenge. It doesn't mean that I'm reconciling with them. That's a completely different thing. And it doesn't, because in some cases it's not safe to reconcile, is it? Depending on the sin that was done against you. So it doesn't mean that you'll ever trust that person again because some people can't be trusted, full stop. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is more about you being set free than about holding a grudge against the person. And so I want to encourage you, because we all have some hurts and pains have been caused, sins have been done against us. When this is a prayer that we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. It is possible. And some would say it's not possible to forgive that person for what they did to me. And I'd say it is possible. And you can do it. Because it's not about reconciling, becoming best friends with that person again. It's not about reconciling and rebuilding that marriage that broke down and been divorced. and all. No, it's got nothing to do with that. It's about forgiveness, letting them off the hook, being willing to live with the consequence of the pain that's been done against me. That's forgiveness. That's what Jesus did when he hung on a cross, didn't he? He said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. He's in pain and being tortured up there on a cross, and he's crying out to God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He said, I'm not going to hold this against them. In fact, I'll stand in their place. I'll stand in their place and take that upon me. Another thing, sometimes people say, well, why did Jesus teach us to pray, forgive us of our sins or our debts when we're already forgiven through the cross? That's a good question. We're actually already forgiven. Why do we need to pray, Lord, forgive me? Remember that the Last Supper... And we're going to come to the table shortly and have the, have the communion together. And um, at the Last Supper, remember what happened when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet and he came to wash Peter's feet and Peter said, no, 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 Lord, you can't do that. You must never wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. And so Peter said in his effort, he said, well, in that case, why don't you wash my whole body? And Jesus said, a person who's already had a bath needs to only wash his feet. His whole body's already clean. And you see, as we are born-again Christians here, as we are those already Christ followers, what he's saying is that you're already clean. He's already made you clean. He's given you a bath. And it's like having that bath, but we don't need to come to Jesus for another bath. What happens is as we're walking through the world each day, our feet get a little bit dirty. We pick up some of the dirt of the world. Each day we've got to come back to him and say, Lord, wash my feet. And I guess spiritually speaking, it's like our hearts. Our hearts can pick up some of the dirt of the world and we want to keep a pure heart before God. 
And sometimes the issues of the world can kind of taint the cleanliness of our hearts. And so we come back to God, we say, Lord, wash our feet, wash our hearts, that we can stand pure before God. Forgive us of our sins. Thank you for making me clean. Lord, forgive that stuff, that bad stuff of the world, that sin that I fell into. Cleanse me. Cleanse me again. And then the scripture goes on and says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Say that with me. Deliver us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God doesn't tempt us, by the way, but God does allow us to go through temptation. God does allow us to go through temptation. And he kind of controls, I guess, how much of that we're exposed to. God knows that we're weak. He knows that we have weak areas. Our strength is in him. And I'm sure you know you have some weak areas too. Does I have some weak areas. Anyone acknowledge you have some weaknesses? Yeah. And so, you know, God knows that. Maybe your weak area is fear. Maybe it's fear. You have a lack of trust in God. That's a weak area. It's living in fear. Maybe it's selfish ambition and greed or having a love for money or a love for the things of the world. And, and maybe even a, just a love for leisure and it's just all the world is around these things and, and that's not, that's a sin. You know, maybe you could awaken the area of pride in your heart or an area of lust in your heart or an area of gossiping. That's a big one these days. It's the sin of gossiping and cynicism. You know, these are things, whatever it is, God knows we have weak areas and that we are tempted in different areas in our lives depending on our weaknesses. And so as we go through our temptations, they can be used to build strength into our life because God has made a way out for us to stand up under every temptation. Praise God. He says, do not let any temptation that has seized you. It says basically he's provided a way out for us to stand up under it. Isn't that amazing? God is a good God. Whatever it is, we have weak areas and we need to focus on getting strengthened in them. We need to focus on God in those areas so that we don't fall into sins and temptations in these things. So we can pray for protection. That's what it's saying. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We pray for protection in these things that we don't have to walk through more temptations. So we can pray for protection against it and we can pray for strength while we're in it and we can pray for wisdom and taking practical steps to make sure we don't even have to face the temptation to start with. Wouldn't that be good and wise? So in our relationship with God, I wonder if praying like this through the Lord's Prayer could really just help us um, build intimacy with God. Because this is how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Uh, we don't pray the Lord's Prayer as a religious ritual, although that's how it's prayed these days. It's not meant to be prayed as a religious ritual. Jesus was actually teaching the disciples how to pray. He's saying, pray like this. Honour God your Father. Honour his name. And come All these things that we've talked about today. So I want to share with you some really encouraging news. We can learn how to pray, just like the disciples learned how to pray from Jesus. And for those who are new to prayer or new to God, the great things about prayer is that it can be learned. 
we can learn how to pray. Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. Not only did he expect them to pray, but he showed them how to pray. And I guarantee that if we were to focus some more on learning together about prayer, in fact, we could probably spend a whole year just on this topic and just become more and more effective in becoming empowered in prayer. Wouldn't that be amazing? Thank you for that underwhelming response. (laughs) You must be so deeply in thought right now. Being empowered in prayer, let's have a look at three things we can do and make it very practical. Number one, just do it. We've all heard that slogan before, haven't we? How do we become empowered in prayer? Number one, say it. Just do it. That's right. The best way to learn anything is just to do it. If you want to learn a new language, what do you do? You start trying to speak it. Sounds funny at first, but you start to do it. You just do it. You want to learn how to swim, what do you do? Jump in the deep end and start treading water, right? You just do it. You just get in there. I've learned that I need to pray about everything in my life. I just need to do it. I need to learn how to pray by just doing it. It might not be great at the start. My conversation with God might feel awkward at first. It's like, no, just do it. Before the service today, I was out there for maybe 20 minutes outside just walking around. I was just praying to God, um, connecting with God, getting ready for the service today, seeking his presence in my life, asking for transformation in our hearts today, that every one of you and all of us together will grow and I'm just seeking God. So just do it. That's what I want you to do. Just do it. There have been times where I've found periods in my life where I'm not walking very close to God. There's times in my life is when I'm not close to God, guess what guess what's correlates with that? There are times in my life when my prayer life is suffering too. Have you ever noticed that? The times where my, I don't sense the greatness of God, maybe the greatness of God is really dim in my life in that moment. And guess what's correlating with that? My prayer life, it stinks at that point. It's non-existent in that point. It's amazing the correlation there. I'm not sure about you, but I've noticed that every time that my awareness of the greatness of God is like that, that or my lack of sensitivity of the power of the gospel is like lukewarm in my life, that the power of that corresponds to my level of faith, my level of faith. And so my prayer life just corresponds to that. It can be non-existent. And when I just do it, when I start to pray and just make a decision, I'm just going to start stirring things up spiritually again in my life. If I start thinking about the greatness of God again, all of a sudden my spiritual life, my prayer life starts to grow as well because I start connecting with him. I start praising him for the cross of Christ, thanking him for his goodness, thanking him for his faithfulness in my life. Maybe a moment, a moment of um, meditation on the truth of God, just spending a few minutes meditating on him is enough to kind of catapult me into a spiritual revival again and start stirring it up inside and praying again. Have you ever found that when your sensitivity to God is stirred up, maybe in the worship time, like in church this morning, um, and it's been heightened, then your heart gets moved maybe emotionally? And when your mind starts getting engaged in the truth, the word of God, then you start hearing the promptings of the Holy Spirit again. And you've found that your private prayer life then starts to come alive. It becomes more meaningful and more powerful again. That's why I say the best way to learn about prayer is to just do it. I want to give you another thing we can do. Number two, meditate on God's word. 
Now, I think this is the most powerful thing we could do to engage in meaningful prayer with God because this will heighten your spiritual sensitivity immediately. Is anyone interested in something you could do immediately that will have an instant result in your spiritual growth? Yes or no? Yes. Six people. Wonderful. All right. What do I mean by this? What I'm saying here is meditation is the link that's missing between our Bible reading and our effective prayer life. Meditation. The phone is going. Is that my phone? Russ, you got us seriously. Where is your phone, buddy? Hey, Russ, your phone's going off. You want to grab your phone and that'd be awesome. That's the Alpha prayer. That's what we need to do, everyone. We need to pray for Alpha. Thanks, Russ. You can set it to weekdays. <laughs> That's okay. We love the, um, the reminder of what that is. Russ is just doing it. He's saying, I'm going to pray at 11.02 every day for the Alpha people I'm praying for. And Alpha is kicking off in a couple of weeks. So it's really important that we do that. Okay. So we just do it and we meditate. If we See, one of the weaknesses that happens in our, in our study is that we open the Bible, we read it, and we go through some you know, great scriptures, and then we close the Bible and we get on with our day. That's pointless in a sense. Or we open our Bible and we read it and we race to our, to our list of needs and wants that we bring to God. And we say, God, I need this and I want that. And what we've done is we've missed the conversation that we can have with God because we didn't meditate on the Word of God. This is the link that's missing. Now, when I say the word meditate, I'm talking from a scriptural point of view, not a New Age kind of meditation. New Age meditation, it's all about emptying our minds and finding a state of bliss by having an empty mind. A Christian form of meditation is all around filling our mind it's the opposite. It's filling our mind with God's word, with the truth that actually sets us free. Can I hear an amen? amen? And so this is a scriptural thing to do, is to meditate. Um, have you ever wondered about meditating on God's word? It's a really powerful thing. Now, who here loves a good steak on the barbecue? A really good steak. For those who are vegetarians, a tofu. Okay. <laughs> I like a good steak on the barbie. Now, what makes a good steak so savouring is that we have to chew it up. We don't just take a big bite and swallow it. We choke, right? Well, having the scriptures and reading them is kind of like that. We need to chew it slowly. We need to digest it slowly. We need to get all the nourishment out of it. And that's going to get us everything we can from it. So it's the same with God's word here, just like a good steak. It's a meal, and it has something that it wants to do within us personally. So we need to meditate on it. We need to read it and meditate on it. David prayed in Psalm 5.1, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Even David meditated again in Psalm 19.14. He said, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It seems like meditation was important to David. So meditation 
is like the meat and the sandwich for David. Read the scriptures, meditate on them, and pray. It's like meditation is the catapult that will take you from reading scriptures into effective and powerful prayer. Why? Because then we start praying God's word. That once we've meditated on his word, we start reflecting on it deeply. We start praying his very word. Just like we did on the Lord's Prayer there, we we're meditating on the Lord's Prayer. What does this really mean to me? And I can start praying the Lord's Prayer in a way that's really meaningful. It's based on a conversation with God. Not only has he spoken to me through his word as I meditate on it, now I'm praying back to him and having conversation with him around his very word. Now, this process is powerful. This is, if you were to spend five minutes meditating on the scripture that you've just read, Get the scripture, make some observations, have an application, and then pray about it. Very simple process. SOAP, S-O-A-P, scripture, observation, application, prayer. Find an application, find an observation, an application. Pray about it. It will catapult your spiritual life instantly. It's such a simple thing, but we can all do it. I love this quote by a Puritan, William Bridge. It'll be on the screen. It says, as it is a sister of reading, so it is the mother of prayer. Though a man's heart be much indisposed to prayer, yet if he can but fall into meditation of God and the things of God, his heart will soon come off to prayer. There's that catapult. He'll begin reading, begin with reading or hearing, go on with meditation and end in prayer. Reading without meditation is unfruitful. Meditation without reading is hurtful. To, med- to meditate and read without prayer upon both is without blessing. Now, I'd like to spend some more time on this topic in the coming weeks because part of my desire for all of us here is that we become disciples. And disciples of God know how to read the Scriptures, they know how to meditate on the Scriptures, and they know how to pray to God and have a conversation with Him. And that's what I want for all of us, to be empowered in our prayers not just to come with our little to-do list of to, to God, our wants and our needs. Does anyone else want that? Yeah, me too. Number three, pray with someone else. Just do it, meditate on the word, and pray with someone else. This is quite easy because we can learn to pray by watching others, watching and listening others pr- to pray. And as we I've read earlier, Jesus modeled this. In fact, he said the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. They needed to learn how to pray. They're his disciples. And that's what we need to do. We come to Jesus today and we say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to be empowered in prayer, that we could be a church like that. And so Jesus modeled it. He was an example of how to pray and gave a great example, as we've just read in the Lord's Prayer and I would say today, if you want to listen to how to pray and you're not used to praying out loud, that's okay. You can come and just sit here at 4.30 and just sit quietly and listen. Listen to other people pray. We're all at different places with God and everyone's welcome. Okay? It's not just the spiritual wise ones that should come to a prayer meeting. We should all come and join our hearts in prayer. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's no high and mighty in the kingdom of God. We're all on the same, all on the same page. We're all saints, by the way, we're not sinners anymore. We're now saints who happen to sin, 
I heard someone the other day say on their Facebook post, I'm just a sinner and I need prayer and blah, blah, blah. No, you're not just a sinner. You're a saint. The old is gone and the new has come. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a saint in him. Yes, I happen to sin sometimes. I'm a saint who happens to sin. That's why I still come back and say, Lord, forgive me. Get the dirt off my feet. Okay. So we want to pray with people. Let me finish with one thing. God wants to answer prayer. Sometimes we ask, well, if I knew that God would answer all my prayers in 60 seconds, would you be on your knees right now? Yes or yes? You'd have holes in every pair of jeans, right, from being on your knees so much. If God would answer every prayer you prayed in 60 seconds or less, we'd be a prayerful church, I'm sure. But the Bible says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Matthew 7, 7. Well, we know God doesn't answer our prayers in 60 seconds. True? True? But we do know that God answers our prayers. We just know that he's not a vending machine. Sometimes we don't see the answers. Sometimes we don't even feel his presence. Sometimes we have to just keep walking by faith and not by sight and not by our feelings because we know that God is still listening, but we don't feel it. Sometimes he answers differently to what we expected. Sometimes he says no, as a father sometimes says no to a child instead of giving me what I want when I want it. And that's okay. I just trust that God answers. Andrew Murray said these words about this. This is the fixed eternal law of the kingdom if you ask and receive not. It must be because there is something amiss or wanting in the prayer. Hold on. Let the word and spirit teach you to pray aright. But do not let go of the confidence that he seeks to awaken, that everyone who asks receives. But the truth here is that there are no shortcuts and no 60-second prayers. Sometimes we just want to shoot up that arrow prayer. There was a song by Colin Buchanan. It was like, shoot him up an arrow prayer. Remember that one? I remember that. All my kids listened to Colin Buchanan growing up. Well, it's not just like that. Yes, we should shoot up arrow prayers all the time to God, but it doesn't mean God will answer in 60 seconds. I want to give you another quote from great... There's some amazing quotes around um, prayer. C.H. Spurgeon, great theologian, he said these words. I cannot imagine any one of you tantalising your child by exciting in him a desire that you did not intend to gratify. It were a very ungenerous thing to offer alms to the poor and then when they hold out their hand for it to mock their poverty with a denial. It were a cruel addition to the miseries of the sick if they were taken to the hospital and there left to die untended and uncared for. Where God leads you to pray, note that, where God leads you to pray, he means you to receive. Can I hear an amen? If we don't believe this, then our, our faith is powerless. What are we even doing here? Let me give you three questions to reflect. Number one, since God wants you to pray, will you pray? Good answer. Number two, since prayer is learned, will you learn how to pray? We can. 
You'll learn just by stepping up, just doing it, by meditating on God's word and catapulting into effective prayer and conversation with God on his word. And thirdly, by praying with someone else, by being here at 4.30 today and have an hour of prayer with us together, listening to others pray, getting involved, praying if you can. Number three, since prayer is answered, will you persistently pray? If prayer is answered and you can ask and seek and knock and know that it will be answered in God's way and in his timing, then we should pray. It was George Mueller who said these words, The great fault of the children of God is that they do not continue in prayer. They do not continue in prayer. That they go on without praying. They do not persevere. That's me. That's me. I don't persevere enough. I'd like to. I'd like us to, as a church, to persevere. As a church, to learn how that we can be empowered in prayer in these ways and become that house of prayer that Jesus wants to call us and that we want the community to call us. And I want you to call us. I want you to talk to your friends and say when they're sick, can I take your prayer needs to the church? Because we're a house of prayer. And people go, oh, they have church of faith. They're a church that believe for God to move and believe for miracles. I want that so much. So this will empower your life, what I'm talking about. There's a few practical things will be on the screen that we can do. We've got our Hour of Power prayer meeting. Russ and Charlotte started it this week. Every Wednesday from 1 o'clock just in the office. Come for 10 minutes. Come for half an hour. Come for an hour. Just be in the church office just over here next to the cafe and Spend an hour with us. Number two, our prayer and pizza night. We're going to do that today, 4.30, just for an hour, and have some pizzas afterwards with the kids. It'll be fun. I ask you to come. It'll be good. Good fellowship time too. And, and do that. And um, we're going to then introduce an all-church prayer meeting like that on the last Sunday night of every month. So we'll always do that each month, okay, on the last Sunday of the month. And then the third one is our Alpha prayer card. That was a great reminder of Russ's phone going off before. Pray for your people that you're inviting to Alpha. Is it next Wednesday night? I think we're going to have a a bit of an info night. The week after. Okay, a couple of Wednesdays nights time. An info night before we launch Alpha. So if you know someone you're praying for, bring them along to Alpha. If you've never done the Alpha course before, bring them along to the info night. No obligations, no commitment. Just come along, have a look at it. And see what the course is all about. The next one is the bondage breaker. I'm actually leading the bondage breaker on the 1st of August on Monday night. It'll be six or seven weeks. So we should be finished by the end of the term. Every Monday night from seven o'clock. And it's a really fantastic course. Learning about your identity in Christ. How to overcome negative and irrational thought patterns. Overcome any of that stuff. The dirt on your feet. The stuff that's there, overcome any of that toxic thinking that rules your brain and causes anxiety and depression. It will teach you how to do these things and how to pray and be effectively cleansed from all that stuff so you can walk in your true identity in Christ. It's powerful, it's life-changing, and I want everyone to do it. Monday night for six or seven weeks, um, starting on the 1st of August. I need to know who's doing it, though, so please let me know. Um, You can sign it up on the card, just write Bondage Breaker on the card or come and see me after the service. And then the prayer cards, we've introduced those little prayer cards in our bulletin each week. You can write down your prayers, make sure we know what's going on in your life. That's how I knew some of the prayer requests today, because people are writing down their prayers. 
and that's fantastic. On a Monday, our staff team can gather and we can pray over all of the prayer needs in the church. If there's really important prayer things that are coming up in your life, just want to be able to cover that for you. I want to be able to connect with you and follow up on that. But as our church is growing and new people coming, I want to make sure that you don't, no one gets left behind. I want nobody's prayers to be forgotten about. Does that make sense? Because everyone's prayers are important. And then the last one is the pastoral prayer time. And right now we're going to do that. I'm going to open up this altar in a moment. We're going to come down and take communion one by one. Just come as you feel led in a moment. We'll ask the worship team to come up at this time and they'll gently play a song for us, come to the altar. And I'm going to ask you to come down and take one of the communion cups and just come and stand at the altar here for a few minutes, as long as you need. And just bring your heart to God and just take communion at the altar. Isn't that a nice idea? Something different. And just be at this altar and enjoy God's presence. So when we stand together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he took the cup. And he broke the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this and remember me. This blood will cover all of your sins. Actually, not just cover it, but remove all of your sins. Past, present and future, he has forgiven you. And that's the power of what we're doing here. That's the power of Jesus' blood. So as we come to the altar, just listen, the music can start in a moment, playing, singing gently as they worship. Please, this is a time for you now, a time for you and your worship to God and your prayer to God. Come to the altar. Have your communion here with us at this altar. If you need any prayer for anything specific, as you stand at this altar, just raise your hand a little bit. I'll stand up here. I'll come over and lay hands on you and I'll pray over you that God will bless you, that God will heal you, that God would help you, that God will answer your prayers. Let's use this altar this morning. Broken.